Good morning and welcome to another um, episode of the Brian Post. We're going to be taking a look at 1 Corinthians 7 verses 32 uh, to the end of the uh, chapter. And I'm just going to go ahead and jump right in as is my custom. Paul says, but I want you uh, to be without care. Who, he who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. There is a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I say for your own profit, that not, not that I might put a leash on you, but for what is proper, and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. But if any man thinks he is behaving improperly towards his virgin. If she is past the flower of youth and thus must be, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin. Let them marry. Nevertheless, he who stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but has power over his will, and is so determined in his heart that he will keep his virgin, does well. So, then, when he who gives her in marriage does well, but he who does not give her in marriage does better. A wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives, but if her husband dies, she's at liberty to be it married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. But she's happier if she remains as she is, according to my judgment, and I think I also have the Spirit of God. In this episode, we'll delve into Paul's final thoughts on marriage or the choice to stay single. As we explored in our recent reflection, Paul's guidance on marriage is deeply woven into his understanding of eschatology. He stresses that given the present circumstances and his belief in the imminent arrival of Jesus Christ, it might be wise for individuals to embrace singleness rather than marrying. Following Christ's death, the followers of Jesus were no strangers to adversity due to their faith aligning with Jesus' teachings that believers would face challenges in this world. He cautioned that persecution and rejection would be part of their journey. Some would even face martyrdom for the faith. The date, um, the expulsion rather, of the Jews from Rome during Emperor Claudius' rule is traditionally dated to 49 or 50 AD. Suetonius, the Roman historian, documented this event, noting that Claudius expelled the Jews from Rome due to disruptions linked to a figure named Crestus, likely a misunderstanding involving Christ, or Jesus Christ, and the conflict within the Jewish community, including the early Christian followers. The repercussions of this expulsion were significant, especially since Christians were initially considered a subset of Jews in the eyes of the Romans. In Acts 18, uh, verse 2, we encounter a subtle reference to this expulsion. The text says, And he found certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. And then it says, Because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them. The key point on the score here is that being a Christian in the Roman Empire during Paul's time was far from safe or comfortable. Christians faced rejection from both the Jewish community and Roman society. And even as Pen, Paul penned these words, suspicion and hostility towards Christians escalated. Only a decade later, Nero used Christians as scapegoats for the great fire of Rome. 
But returning to the text, Paul reminds the Corinthians that given their current distress, choosing not to marry might be a wiser decision. Marrying under such circumstances could add an extra burden to both spouses. However, Paul refrains from outright, from an outright uh, prohibition of marriage. He acknowledges that marriage is a God-given institution, recalling the scriptural wisdom that's not good for a person to be alone. Paul respects the biblical teaching that what God has joined together, no one should separate. In other writings, it's just interesting to note that Paul cautions the church against people who forbid marriage, highlighting the importance of sound teaching. For instance, now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits, doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisies, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding, and, com and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving. That can be found in... First Corinthians, um, uh, I mean, sorry, uh, First Timothy, rather, uh, chapter 4, uh, 1 to 3. <clears throat> As mentioned before, Paul's writings were not intended for a problem that would arise over 2,000 years later. He saw these issues as eminent threats. He explicitly conveyed this urgency, stating that the Spirit clearly warns about the latter times. From Paul's and his readers' contemporary perspective. In their understanding, they were already living in the latter times, as Paul affirmed. In 1 Corinthians 7, um, verses 29 to 31, Paul emphasized the brevity, the brevity of time, or the brevity of the, the brevity of time, rather, and the passing of the natural world, um, or the the nature of the world. He urged believers to adopt the mindset that recognized that temporal nature uh, of their of their circumstances in first thessalonians 4 paul uses the pronoun we clearly suggesting anticipation of the parousia the second coming of christ during or shortly after his own lifetime he specifically referenced individuals who would still be alive at the time of the lord's coming if paul had meant a warning for a future distant audience he would have likely phrased it as those who are alive and remain distancing himself from the event and using a more generic term rather than the intimate we in first Thessalonians 5 1 to 3 Paul addressed the current times and seasons pertaining to the distresses and challenges faced by the Thessalonian community he emphasized the imminence of the day of the Lord and the suddenness of its arrival Lastly, in Philippians 4, 5, the phrase, the Lord is at hand, carried a sense of eminency for, eminency, immediacy rather, uh, for the first century reader of the Christian audience. It was a call to maintain a gentle demeanor among the challenges of their contemporary Christian experience, not a distant future event. Okay, so what's the takeaway? What can we glean from this text as 21st century followers of Christ? One significant aspect to consider is that those who genu genuinely have faith in Christ believe in his lordship in their lives and have submitted themselves to his kingdom. They should always keep this at the forefront of their minds when making major life decisions. The decisions to marry, for instance, is undoubtedly one of the most important and life-changing decisions. Like marriage, all decisions in the life of a believer, where to live, whom to marry, what type of work to do, should be made with a deep consideration of the preeminence of Christ's rule in our lives and the continuing of the unfolding of his kingdom.